listening to Black Mirror Reflections, a podcast thinking through the technology, philosophy, morality, and politics of the series Black Mirror. Welcome back to Black Mirror Reflections. Today, I'm joined by Eric Steinhardt to talk about Bandersnatch, the standalone interactive episode of Black Mirror, which first premiered in December of 2018, sandwiched between seasons four and five. Dr. Eric Charles Steinhardt is professor of philosophy at William Patterson University. Before doing philosophy, he was a professional computer scientist for many years. He's the author of Believing in Dawkins, The New Spiritual Atheism, published by Palgrave in 2020, Your Digital Afterlives, Computational Theories of Life After Death, published by Palgrave in 2014, and more precisely, The Math You Need to Do Philosophy, published by Broadview in 2017, and also books on Nietzsche and on metaphor. He's interested in all things computational, including the ways computational ideas shape our cultures. Now, this will be my first time actually speaking with Eric as we were introduced to each other by a mutual Facebook friend who thought Eric would be great for this podcast. And when I reached out to him to ask if he was interested, I provided a list of the remaining Black Mirror episodes, and he immediately claimed Bandersnatch with what looked like, from what I could tell in an email, genuine excitement. There were exclamation points. So because of its sprawling and unusual format, he's got a big job to do in the guest seat today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Almost anything could happen. So welcome, Eric. Glad to be here. Thank you very much, Leigh. Yeah, I'm really super excited about this. And as you know, at the beginning of every episode, I asked my guests to summarize the Black Mirror episode that we're going to talk about. You have a, you know, a little bit more of a challenge than in normal episodes, but I'm going to ask you anyway, could you summarize Bandersnatch? Yeah, sure. Bandersnatch is unusual in the sense that it's sort of an interactive episode. So you get to make choices for the characters, mainly for the main character, Stefan. It'll ask you, do you want him to eat this brand of breakfast cereal or that brand? And you can choose with your remote. You, you know, click on, you can select uh, the sugar flakes or Fruit Loops, whatever they are. And some of those decisions get more complicated and they drive the story. So there are all these branching storylines, allegedly, you know, like a trillion different ways you can go through, dozens of endings. The total footage that was shot, I think, is like five and a half hours. And some people have spent enormous amounts of time and effort to try to go down every path or to get to all the different endings. It's like a video game in a lot of ways. And so you can find on YouTube, you know, people who have gotten to various endings. They've recorded their sequences and things like that. So you can actually find all the main endings, the major endings and, and the paths. So, but we can summarize it actually pretty straightforwardly. The idea is that there's a book called Bandersnatch. It was written by this guy, Jerome F. Davies. And Davies went insane and he murdered his wife. He, he chopped off her head. And Davies thought that he was being haunted by a, a, a demon named Pax and that his wife was drugging him, putting hallucinogens in his food. The government was controlling him. But he went crazy and killed his wife. Stefan, this young computer programmer, is trying to make a video game, an early sort of 1980s 8-bit kind of video game based on this book, Bandersnatch. 
so he's going to make a game out of it. He gets hired by a, a gaming company, Tuckersoft, to make this game, which of course will involve all kinds of branching paths. And the branching path symbol, this kind of uh, inverted Y, a symbol that's common to lots of Black Mirror episodes, right, appears uh, frequently in this, the symbol of the branching paths, the forking path. And, and so we don't have to worry about like lots of the different branches because lots of these different branches involve common themes. So on almost every branch, Stefan's mom died when he was little. And one of the reasons she died involves Stefan needing to find this toy rabbit. He's searching for it. She gets on a different train than the one she was intending to get on. She dies. Stefan, on every branch, as far as I can tell, he suffers from some sort of mental illness. It's not really specified. Yeah. He's seeing a therapist. Um, yeah, and mental illness is a common theme across almost every Black Mirror episode. So he's seeing a therapist and he's taking pills. We, we don't know what the pills are. It's never really specified what he's in therapy for. As he is working on this game, or maybe just more generally, he seems to have nightmares, night terrors, and hallucinations. As he's working on the game, he becomes obsessed with Jerome Davies. He starts to have visions of this strange lion-like demon figure, a terrifying figure. And on almost every branch, Stefan murders his father. On sort of the most successful branches, he chops up his father, cuts off his head, just like Jerome Davies did with his wife. And most of the branches, pretty much all the significant branches, there are some branches that just you didn't play the game right and it just dumps you out real quickly and Stefan's on a bus, you know, listening to some music and the, the game was a failure or something. On the most successful branches, there's some branches where the game is a, that he's making, Bandersnatch, is a huge success. And those are the ones in which he murdered his father, chopped him up, and he ends up getting caught and he goes to jail. But the game is a huge success. But when it's discovered that he, some people think this is a canonical ending, it's discovered that he you know, murdered these people and, and the game is pulled from the shelves. The game manufacturers say this is terrible. They destroy all the copies of the game or so they think. And one of the characters in most of the branches is a guy named Colin, also a video game designer, who helps Stefan in various ways. At one point, he gives Stefan some LSD. They have a trip. He sees Pax, the demon, in the form of Colin's wife. And Colin has just had a little baby with his wife. The baby's name is Pearl. On many of the branches, Colin seems to commit suicide by jumping off a ledge. So what people often say is the canonical ending, Colin's daughter, Pearl, has grown up, discovered a copy of Bandersnatch that wasn't destroyed in her father's belongings. And she decides that she's going to reboot the game, update it for modern game consoles and really do it right. And in that ending, she starts to become sort of controlled and maybe is starting to get haunted and kind of have psychosis too. So those are kind of the main things themes that are in this episode but i mean it can be unpacked forever yeah yeah and you don't have to search very hard on the internet to find but there are reddit threads where people have created these massive elaborate flow charts of every possible decision and how it connects to the other timelines in the episode so it really is a brilliant piece of cinema i mean if nothing else it's the first time we really see this kind of choose your own adventure interactive piece of cinema. So it is absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah. I do want to go back to something that you said, which, I mean, this is unusual for me to say because I talk 
so much to people about Black Mirror, but I've never heard anyone say before that a thread running through many Black Mirror episodes is mental illness. It's clearly in this episode, but I was wondering if you just say a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure, sure. I've made my own charts uh, about these. I've taught Black Mirror episodes in lots of various courses. So lots of them have involved pathological attachments or obsessions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even the very beginning, like the entire history of you, which is the man has this pathological jealousy of his wife and he's obsessed. Be right back. Right. There's pathological attachment of the wife to her husband who died. She can't get over his death and she kind of brings him back in this cybernetic form. White bear. It seems like the character, the woman who's kind of constantly going through the white bear torture, she suffered from some sort of mental illness. Her husband and she were accused of murdering and maybe sexually abusing this child that they abducted. Maybe she was mentally ill. Uh, White Christmas, significant part of that is a schizophrenic or psychotic woman who sets things in motion when she commits suicide, right, again, and and draws these people into that. Um, And maybe the guy in White Christmas that's being interrogated also suffered from mental illness. He's a sociopath. (laughs) Yeah, the guy who's the interrogator, he seems to be a sociopath. But the guy who murdered his wife and the little child, he seems to be mentally disturbed. Sometimes I think maybe he was portrayed as autistic. And lots of them have drug problems. Mm-hmm. The guy in Entire History of You, he seems clearly to be an alcoholic. The guy in White Christmas is an alcoholic. You just look at other ones. We go down this list. Playtest, Alzheimer's plays a, a role. Uh, this pathological attachment of the guy to his mother or the mm-hmm. mother to him or to his father. San Junipero, there's a kind of pathological attachments there. USS Callister, the guy who's the captain, he seems to be obsessed with this show in a very self-destructive way. Archangel, the mother, has this pathological attachment to her daughter. Hang the DJ, it's just about intense attachment of these two people. There's a long list, right? Of course, Bandersnatch, mental illness is really a theme. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting in Bandersnatch because in Bandersnatch... Clearly, we have this main character, Stefan, who is either suffering from some kind of post-traumatic disorder related to this untimely death of his mother, or is suffering from some other kind of manipulated disorder as a consequence of whatever experiment his father is playing on him. But it is also the case that you know, he's a genius. So there is this underlying theme in Bandersnatch that makes the connection between madness and genius. It's Colin that partially with the aid of hallucinogenics and mind-altering drugs is able to see the real picture, see the big picture. I'm actually really interested that you pointed this out, that there is this theme of mental illness running through a lot of the series. And I wonder whether or not there's intended to be this suggestion that you have to not see the world normally or what we say is normally in order to ask the kinds of questions that Black Mirror wants to ask. I say that because there's this long tradition in philosophy, in our discipline, of a kind of connection between madness and philosophy. Madness and asking the big questions that people don't ask or seeing things in a way that is not the ways of conventional thinking. I mean, one thing that's also common in Black Mirror is lots of trouble with sexuality. 
sexually troubled relationships, sometimes you know, criminal sexuality. There's also themes of mob justice and vengeance and retribution. I mention those other things because sometimes I think, oh, well, those things are just things that go into good drama, yeah, right? That's true, like yeah. you're not going to make a good drama about ordinary, normatively normal people just going about their ordinary lives. The people have to have strong motivations and they have to be somehow very, very different to get a, an intense drama going. But I do think what you're saying is very interesting in the sense that what's this guy, Booker, trying to show us? People always say, oh, Black Mirror is about technology. And I like to kind of abstract that and say, well, no, it's using technology to tell these kinds of stories about the way the world is or the way the world works. What I liked about Bandersnatch is it kind of gives you a lot of insight into the metaphysics of Black Mirror. You know, people have noticed things like people have asked things about like, why isn't there any religion in Black Mirror? You don't generally see religious themes. Or some other people said there's hardly any media in Black Mirror. People aren't watching, watching television. Yeah, right. or movies or mu music or stuff like that. That's not, and neither of those is entirely true, but they're very interesting to ask the questions of what kind of world is the Black Mirror world yeah. where you're seeing yeah. all these things. One thing that's common to almost all these episodes is ways that agency is very different than a kind of, I don't know, philosophically, a Kantian or Cartesian view of agency is like there's this unified self and it works and it's a soul or a mind or a brain or a, a body that's just itself. All these bodies and brains and minds are all sort of corrupted in and maybe they're not, maybe that's too negative. Maybe they're just dispersed in ways that they work very differently. Than a yeah, I was just going to say one of the really interesting things about Black Mirror's view of the self, of whatever you want to call that, a soul, a mind, whatever, is that it is not singular. It's not simply identical to itself. It can be duplicated. It can be disorganized. And maybe this is connected to what you noted about the theme of mental illness running through. But I think what's interesting about Bandersnatch is it extends that to the larger metaphysical picture that the world, reality itself, is not identical to itself. And we get this picture in Bandersnatch of all of these coexistent, compossible worlds, multiple timelines that have some effect on one another, but also have a significant amount of independence from one another. Yeah, I mean, the themes are there. Everything from like USS Callister to Hated in the Nation. There are these themes of all these multiple overlapping realities. Everything is procedurally generated content, including procedurally generated selves, right? And so the self can just, you know, the self can vary. There's no such thing as a static, stable self or a static, stable world. And everything is a swarm. You know, the mob justice themes or the internet controlling people or selves being manufactured, right? Uh, you did the yeah. playtest play test episode, which, which my take on that would be very different, which is that the main character in that episode, he's a simulation. Really? He's be, he's be, yeah, that's actually a fairly common interpretation. The playtest mm -hmm. is a test of him. I see. Right? So you would see it as a kind of parallel to the hang the dj episode where in well, the lots end, of these yeah, yeah lots of these episodes are about building these artificial simulated selves right like right, the, right, you know right. 
uh, White Christmas, right? The guy that you think is the guy is actually just a simulated digital self inside a computer. And there's mm-hmm. actually a flesh and blood copy of him sitting in a jail cell, right? And this is, yeah. And this is actually one of the things that I really do love about Black Mirror is that it does force us to readjust our myopic focus on autonomous agents making so-called free decisions and instead to step back and look at the systems in which we are embedded, social systems, political systems, technological systems, metaphysical systems. And in many ways, this insistence on continuing to think of the human self as a singular autonomous free self is what ends up corrupting the larger systems. Yeah, that's very insightful. The self is always breaking down in Black Mirror and it's always being manipulated somehow. Yeah. There's drugs, alcohol, or there's mysterious messages from who knows what on the internet or killer robot dogs, you know, like society itself has disintegrated and the selves are now these other things. No, it's true. I mean, I do think that there is this tendency and I do think this is of a piece with many people's inclination to say that Black Mirror is really about the technology. There's this tendency when things fall apart to say, you know, oh, but if it weren't for the things with screens, the things with code and wiring, but those are really just metaphors for larger problems that we have about understanding our worlds, our place in it, our ability to affect or to not affect those things. So yeah, the technology is just props. The technology makes certain storylines available. But like ancient Greek drama had those same storylines available, like with the gods, they could bring in these deus ex machinas whenever they needed them to advance their plots and storylines. And so I think the technology is actually not nearly as interesting as a lot of Black Mirrors are episodes are about how what people really want to do is punish other people, torture them. Yeah. You know? This is what you really want. I do think that that is definitely true in a lot of episodes, that what we see are these venal desires of human beings to watch others suffer. But I think another really common theme, just to get back to Bandersnatch, is this desire we have to be gods, to be masters of our fate, to use the language of Bandersnatch, to program and control. Absolutely. And so when when we see things start to go awry in these characters' lives in Black Mirror episodes, it's very often because perhaps for the first time, or at least in a very dramatic way, these characters are being given reason to pause and realize they are not programming and controlling themselves or their worlds or that there might be something else out there. And it's interesting that it's not a God. You're right. There's no religion in this series. So so in this episode, Stefan, in many of the timelines, in fact, almost all of the timelines, has to sort of run up against this question that he either poses to himself because he's mentally ill or he poses to himself because this is actually how the world works. Uh, But, you know, whether or not he has any control, whether or not he's free, whether or not he can make his own decisions. Yeah, I mean, this seems like such a softball question about Bandersnatch, but I do want to talk about the free will questions here. It's, It's particularly interesting in this episode because the questions that the protagonist is asking himself and many characters in the episode are asking themselves also implicate us, the viewers, right? Yeah. 
I think, yeah, let me, let me say, yeah, that's not a question you want to ask. I mean, because like free will and stuff like that's already like really formulated in terms of this kind of Cartesian Kantian model of the self, right? A Christian model of the self with a soul that makes a choice. And the program and control thing, you know, programming is a mess. It's like genetics. It's like DNA. It's constant. Yeah. What you're always shown in Black Mirror is hacking, hackers, right, right. and not just yeah. evil, you know, black hat hackers who try to break in and steal things. But, you know, Stefan is just trying to hack out this video game. There are mm-hmm. all these codes and nobody, there isn't one unitary self that is generating all these codes. Codes make codes. And to understand that is to then understand that the coherence that you might have thought you were looking for isn't what you should be looking for. There's something else going on. If I could just, I do want to jump in here because I think that you're right about that. Nevertheless, it is the case that codes are not utterly disordered. They're not chaos, right? Um, They're not chaos. And and so I, I think that you're right to draw attention to the fact that this popular understanding of code imagines it as being more clean and straightforward than it actually is. But it's also the case that what these episodes are showing us, and in particular Bandersnatch, is that there is some order to reality It's not the order that Descartes gave us or Plato gave us or Kant gave us, but there is an order to it. It's a messier order, right? I do think that it's important to note that what Bandersnatch is trying to give us is a different way of thinking about what we call freedom works. And it's not as simple as there is an agent that has total control and can execute these kind of clean operations with clearly identifiable consequences, right? That's just not how it works. Right. I mean, there is chaos and order. Again, I think these kind of binaries are not the way I would approach it. I mean, the way I look at this is, and you look at Colin and Bandersnatch, right? He actually lays out a theory of the way code works. And all the episodes, Black Mirror episodes, have a common themes about self-reference, recursion, Mm -hmm. right? Simulations within simulations. And this is how code works. It has a logic. It has um, an order. It's not irrational. It's just that its structure is very alien to what I think a lot of us, or perhaps, you know, I sometimes think Booker's message is, look, the structure of the world and is like the structure of code. Yeah. It's self-referential. It's mm-hmm. constantly looping. It's recursive. It returns into itself. It builds new orders out of old orders. It tears itself apart. It doesn't build one order. It builds multiple orders, multiple parallel characters. It builds things that simulate other, you know, any part of it gets simulated in some other part of it. It's a hall of mirrors. Bandersnatch is all these levels of self-reference. You're watching a movie about a video game, about a book, which is itself <laughs> Like maybe you actually are, maybe like the episode that you're watching is Bandersnatch, right? Yeah, You got it right. I mean, you're actually playing the game Bandersnatch about Bandersnatch. Mm -hmm. Stefan didn't fail. He he made it or some other guy made it and you're watching it. Hey listeners, this is Dr. J. Just wanted to jump in here for a second to remind you that you can keep up with this podcast on our Black Mirror Reflections Facebook page, also on Twitter at BMR underscore podcast. 
And I also wanted to make a special request that you please subscribe to this podcast on whatever streaming service that you use to listen to podcasts. And if you feel favorably inclined to do so, take a minute to rate and maybe even comment on this podcast. Now back to our conversation. Bandersnatch is also a little unusual in the sense that it's got all these literary references, right? Yeah, so the Lewis Carroll references all the way through. Yeah, definitely. There's Lewis Carroll references, but I think the most interesting thing is just the book Bandersnatch itself. It's a book that makes you insane. There seems to be this meaning or code or structure in this book that if you engage with it, you become insane or your world splinters or fractures and there are predecessors for this, right? There's Philip K. Dick. There are lots of little Philip K. Dick Easter eggs in the Bandersnatch episode. There's posters of Philip K. Dick novels on the walls here and there. Jerome F. Davies, the guy who writes Bandersnatch, seems just to be like Philip K. Dick. And Philip K. Dick's themes of paranoia and multiple selves and all that. But there are other books like this or things like this. So there's, there's Robert Chambers, The King in Yellow. And The King in Yellow is the name of a play. And if you read this play you'll go crazy, commit crimes or end up in jail or dead or something. And no one knows where the King in Yellow came from, who wrote it. Like you're just looking in a library in some old castle and you find a copy and you start reading it. And then that's it for you. There's the Necronomicon in H.P. Lovecraft. Right, right. Right. Another book that's written. And if you read it, you'll go insane. I don't know how much Booker was into this stuff, but Borges, George Luis Borges, had a story which is very much like Bandersnatch, which is the Garden of Forking Paths. I don't know this story. What is Yeah, there's a guy, he's a Chinese man in Britain in World War I, I think, or World War II, I can't remember, but he has an ancestor who wrote this book, The Garden of Forking Paths, but the book seems to be an incoherent pile of partial manuscripts were just like stuck together. He was supposed to have built this labyrinth and this labyrinth somehow contained all possibilities of, of reality within it. And he went crazy and died in mysterious circumstances. And, you know, the book survived, but it turns out that as this guy who's his descendant after a thousand years or so recovered it and reading it, and he realizes that the book is true because the book is a key to reality and the labyrinth is reality. The book, The Garden of Forking Paths, it's like this interactive video game. All these different chaotic drafts are actually these different timelines and blah, blah, blah. So there's lots of literary references in Bandersnatch. It's referring to all kinds of other books. There are these mini stories of books that cause you to go insane once you read them. But of course, what's also common, at least among the ones that you mentioned that I do know, I didn't know the Borges reference, is that the person who goes insane looks insane from the sort of perspective of this world, but does actually achieve a, I hesitate to use the word truer, but truer understanding of the world. Yeah, there's certainly an interesting theme in Lovecraft, right? It might be one for Black Mirror too. Like, you don't really want to know how this works. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, there's an interesting perspective in Black Mirror about what it means to be human. One of those themes might just be like in Lovecraft, it's like, look, close your eyes, close your ears, shut up. You're a human. And that means on the great chain of being, you are really tiny. You are not God's highest creation. You are so far away from the peaks of existence that you don't want to know, 
Right. Yeah, and that's basically Colin's story as well, right? Is right. that there's not only a sort of acquisition of a higher level of knowledge or understanding, but there's also a kind of emancipation that comes along with realizing that there's this great conversation between Colin and Stefan when they're in many of the streams where they're on the balcony and he says, look, one of us is going to jump. It doesn't really matter who. And things are going to go on. Things are going to go on in other timelines. There's going to be this recursion and simulation and reference that is all going to happen. And you as an individual and me as an individual are almost entirely insignificant to that. Yeah, right. That's a constant theme in Black Mirror that selves are these ephemeral things. They disintegrate under the slightest touch. They fall apart and they sometimes they come back together in new ways, but you can make copies of them. You can modify them. Yeah, yeah. And they're opaque to themselves. They don't know what they want. They live yeah. multiple different lives in different simulations. Just getting back to your earlier theme, I mean, it might be also kind of a theme throughout the entire series that it's not getting that point that is the cause of most of the pathological behaviors that we see. Pathologies that involve an over-dependence on the ipsaity of the self, the reliability of it. We want to preserve all of our memories. We want to find ways for ourselves to live on after our physical bodies die. But this pathological attachment to the self understood in a particular framework is what ends up being the problem. Yeah, that's interesting. The pathological attachment to the self generates all this drama. A lot of Black Mirror episodes have afterlives in them. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or, or characters who live independent of bodies. And one of the weirder lessons of a lot of those episodes is the afterlife doesn't matter. Neither does this one in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, or they're all just, I mean, the book, I mean, to go back to Bandersnatch, the book thing is always something that really strikes me, the Bandersnatch book itself. Like, if you want a key, there's a certain message that this book is the key to the whole Black Mirror everything. Mm. Because, yeah, you know, the book is telling you that if you go into it, it's madness. And the book doesn't even exist because is the book the little paperback that, that Stefan carries around or is it the video game that he's trying to make? Or are like all these characters in USS Callister, they exist in the physical world, but they also exist on the starship mm -hmm. and they've been copied and everybody's getting copies made of themselves. And some people just might be simulations. And this book, if you open that book, are you going to actually see anything or are the pages is going to be blank? There's this book that allegedly holds all the secrets to, to everything. And that book is really weird. At the conclusion of this episode, please make sure to check out our post at readmorewritemorethinkmorebemore.com. That's readmorewritemorethinkmorebemore.com, where we'll include a list of further readings, references, and links to things that we talked about in this episode. Now back to the conversation. You know, there's a lot of Gnosticism, I think, in Black Mirror too. There isn't one God. There's infinitely many gods. Mm -hmm. It's very polytheistic, right? Because you've got a lot of the characters being gods to each other. I can take a copy of you and get your saliva and make a copy of you. And, and I can be God. I'm the God of this starship world. And you can outwit me and become the God. 
or the playtest character who's like just being manipulated by these other people or the internet gods who manipulate the guy and shut up and dance. There are all these divine powers at work in the world. There's just no unity to them. Yeah, I think another thing that's really interesting about thinking about Bandersnatch, the book, you know, whatever that text is, and maybe it's the book, maybe it's the game, maybe it's real life or whatever. But one of the interesting things is that it does seem, and I think this is consistent among many Black Mirror episodes, we're meant to understand that in whatever the metaphysical system is, that in that system, there are only differences. There's not true and false. There's not good and bad. Things are just different, just different stories, different timelines, different persons that call themselves agents, different gods, different monsters, you know, and they're just different. And the meanings that they generate in the way that they interact with one another will be different. And there's no truer ones or falser ones. There's just other ones. Yeah, there's other ones. I mean, I wouldn't quite go all the way relativizing, you know, all the value structures. I mean, there are clearly characters who have sort of moral sensibilities, right? Um, right, but in, in the context that they're in, but it's not impossible to imagine them in an entirely different context with entirely different moral sensibilities or right. no, no moral sensibilities at all. And there's nothing more true about this context in which we see them than there is about, I mean, you know, it's a common complaint I have with people who use the term in real life, right? It's like, well, you know, it's not- Yeah, what's that? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's a kind of real that we're talking about. It's not realer than our digital lives. You know, there's just different ways of understanding what's real. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's that's correct about the Black Mirror sort of thing. Although I think that there's a kind of, um, I mean, look, let's get back to that book, Bandersnatch and, the, and this thing, you know, is it a metaphor? Is it the internet? It makes people crazy. Uh-huh. It takes whatever tendency you, you have or I have, I would have been sane, except I got on the internet and I got involved in QAnon. For some, like I never would have gotten into this crazy, crazy shit. A lot of these episodes are about how these networks, you know, like if you had just stayed home, a lot of the message I think of Black Mirror is often if you had just stayed home and not gotten on the internet and not gone out there and not gone into the wider world, you'd be all right. The forces at work. I don't think so, though, because I think here's the episode that I would point to to disagree with that is USS Callister. If you just try to stay out of the way, stay to yourself, you're not all right. You just end up creating your own network, creating your own world to get lost in. Yeah, sure. Sure. But you got this power. I mean, these computers are gods. Computers give you the power to destroy yourself. You know, they give like- But also to make worlds, to create worlds. Right. But I think one of the lessons of Black Mirror is that we shouldn't be doing that. When we do that, really bad things happen. Hmm. And there are all these titanic forces that are capable of world creation, but they're demons. And they're not necessarily evil. They're just these, like Pax in Bandersnatch looks to me, if you go back and look at ancient Gnostic pictures of the Demiurge, this mysterious lion-headed figure, they find statues of him in Mithraic grottoes, temples, And it's often thought that that represents this demiurge, these demiurgic gods who create universes. They're world creators. And humans shouldn't try to be those, right? I find that really interesting because I 
have a really hard time locating should and shouldn't in the Black Mirror universe. It doesn't seem to me clear that there's a normative code there. I've said this so many times in this podcast series, but, you know, I think that one of the best descriptions is the one that Charlie Brooker gave where he said, all this is doing is showing how we're living right now and how we might be living in 15 minutes time if we're clumsy, you know, and it doesn't seem to me that from the point of view of Black Mirror or of Black Mirror creators, that there is an ought embedded in the episode. We bring the ought to the episode. It's part of our interpretation. Yeah. And that seems to me what I really love about Bandersnatch is you don't just read this story or watch this story or play this game. There is a sense in which in the course of doing so, you have to be self-reflective. I remember the first time I watched it and I thought, you know, should I say kill your dad? Right. Like, I feel bad. Should I say take the job? I mean, I'm feeling for this guy. Is there a thing that I ought to do here? And I think that what Bandersnatch shows us, if there's no ought or ought not, there's just another choice, a different choice. Well, let me, I mean, I both agree and disagree. I mean, I agree that there's no list of 10 commandments. There's no ought in the (laughs) sense of some dominant moral code that's universal Mm -hmm. and objective for everyone. There are lessons though. And there's a message from Bandersnatch. Don't make this book. Don't read this book. Whatever this book was, don't write it. Don't read it. Don't try to make a video game based on the video game of the book. I mean, you can... And I mean, maybe it's not norm. I mean, I think of this as normative in the sense that if you do, it's very Greek tragedy. If you do, you are doomed. You will suffer. You'll go insane and you'll die horribly. Right. You, but, you, but I wonder if you would disagree with this, that it may be the case that the lesson is you're going to suffer. You're going to go insane. Right. Like bad things are going to happen. And yet, nevertheless, you have to create worlds anyway. You have to create meaning. Like that's the kind of animals we are. We have to do it. And so it seems to me that to say, don't write Bandersnatch or don't read Bandersnatch would be like saying, don't create a world. Don't live in a world. Don't manufacture meaning in a world. That's I mean, that's, really always go- that's always going to involve some suffering. It's also hopefully going to involve some joys, some ecstasies and some pains. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think it's really provocative. I'm not I'm not totally on board with it yet, but it is an interesting thought that maybe the lesson is don't build worlds. (laughs) Well, or I mean, it's a little blunt and I, I see your point. I think that if you do look at a lot of the Black Mirror episodes, you know, including Bandersnatch, a lot of them are about characters to whom really horrible things happen. True, yeah. Right. And oftentimes this because of the ways that they engage, maybe don't build worlds is a little too general, but it's because of the ways that they engaged with a certain power that information has to represent things or to be self-recursive and self-looping. And like, okay, If you get the mass thing implanted in your brain, or if you get these other things implanted in you, or if you make a simulation of yourself or enter into a simulation, there are ways that humans can interact with information. Like, you know, Bandersnatch is in your head. Don't open it. I mean, it's tempting because Bandersnatch also goes back to Pandora's box, right? It's like, look, if you open this, you're going to get all kinds of power, but you're going to have hell to pay. Hmm. Right. No, I this mean, is a really, 
This is a really provocative reading. I mean, I see what you're saying. It does still seem to me, though, that the lesson is not don't open it. The lesson is build the world differently. But you, so you have the, so you have a little more faith than I do. And I mean, it might be that you explore these things that Ray Kurzweil or transhumanist thing of like, yeah, these computers that we're building, we're building gods. Yeah. Right. And this is the Lovecraftian kind of theme. Like, yeah, once you realize you've built something that no longer thinks of you as important, it was real nice for you humans to be on top of the world, but you built this swarm of bees. You built these machines now that really are like gods and they can do these things that, of course, you and me being just little humans, we can't conceive of what they're doing. Yeah. And and, like we've only been here a hot second, right? We haven't been here forever. We're not going to be here forever. We're going a bit afield of Black Mirror. But just from my own perspective, I do think that one of the really interesting implications of just that insight that you articulated there is that, you know, it's not all about us. I mean, it is very likely the case that in order for, for example, the planet Earth to survive, we're going to have to have our day and move on. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have to be, well, I mean, you know, but I suppose if I do think that there is a lesson in Black Mirror that's somewhat consistent across the series, it is very reminiscent of Greek tragedies, which is a sort of warning against a kind of humanist hubris that thinks that man is the measure of all things. And that, you know, that it's not the case. And what it shows us is there are things that we do not understand. There are things that are more powerful than us and that we may be surpassed by these things that we've created. Yeah. I mean, as a literature, as a story, right, the Black Mirror stories are, you know, when I think about the religious or metaphysical or theological kinds of implications of those stories, the Greek tragedy is exactly right because I would say the message is there are gods, There's lots Mm. of gods, extremely disruptive powers. I mean, the book Bandersnatch itself is a god. And there are lessons of hubris. Lots of these episodes are about hubris, right? You try to become that guy who can build a simulated world and make simulations of your coworkers. And you become a moral monster. You were just a clever programmer who built a you know, USS Callister, or you're a clever programmer trying to make a video game, and you become a moral monster. You kill your father, you chop him up, you torture, like in Black Museum or White Christmas or White Bear, you become a moral monster. Or you become like Charlie Brooker. You become an artist. You become a Cassandra, right? You build these worlds that give us a picture of possibilities other than what we recognize in our present reality and which we can either take as warnings or encouragements. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Booker's message is, but (laughs) it really seems like a lot of these episodes have these common themes of vengeance, torture, something has gone horribly wrong. Bandersnatch, I think, brings a lot of these themes together. And yeah, the Greek tragedy thing, you know, the Greek gods are horrifically disruptive powers. They don't want to be disruptive. It's just that their natures are alien, you know, Mm. like GPT-3, which I know you've mentioned on a couple of your podcasts, right? Like, Mm. I don't know if you saw the things where these philosophers wrote about GPT-3 and it read what they wrote and it wrote a reply. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see that? I haven't seen the GPT-3 reply, but I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, GPT-3 wrote a reply because these philosophers, as you could expect, they're like, is GPT-3 conscious? Does it have understanding? And GPT-3 right. wrote this reply and this reply was just terrifying because it said, you know, consciousness and meaning and understanding, these are all human problems and I'm not right. human. Right. And right. I don't care if I'm conscious. And, you know, I'm sorry that you have all these troubles, but I don't. And one of them asked something like, well, are you going to kill all humans? Like, or somebody written about the Terminator, you know, and AI is killing all humans. And it just said, AIs don't have to kill humans. You're just killing yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a good reminder that often our fears about emergent technologies are, are really just projections of our own fears about these meat sacks that we live in the world with right now that we call humans, right? There's no reason to think that a more advanced form of intelligence would make all the same mistakes that we do for sure. Hey listeners, another brief interlude here before we get back to the end of this episode. I just wanted to let everyone know that we've only got two episodes of Black Mirror Reflections left. As you know, the plan for this podcast series was to have one podcast episode for every Black Mirror episode, and we've almost done that at this point. But I've got good news. There actually will be a follow-up podcast to this one. So I'll be hosting a new podcast that's called Hotel Bar Sessions with two great co-hosts, Ammon Allred and also Shannon Musset, both of whom you might remember as great guests on this podcast in previous episodes. So go ahead and go to Twitter and follow at Hotel Bar Podcast. That's at Hotel Bar Podcast so you can keep up with updates. I'll also be posting a short trailer for Hotel Bar Sessions on the episode notes for this episode. And I hope that you'll all stick with us for the new podcast. Now, back to the end of our conversation with Eric Steinhardt. So as you know, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests the same three questions and I'm gonna state them right here all in a row and then you can answer them. So the first question is, what do you think the lesson or the takeaway of Bandersnatch is. The second question is what worries or concerns you the most about Bandersnatch? And then the third question is on a scale of one to 10 with one being nightmarishly dystopic and 10 being utopic, where does this episode fall? So ask me the first question again. The first question is what is the lesson or the takeaway? Yeah. 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 Don't, don't read the book. Don't read the book. Don't write the book. Don't get involved with symbols. And that might not be the lesson because there is this other guy that we didn't really mention much from the episode, namely Colin, kind of like a Buddha figure in that episode, or maybe a, a Christ-like figure. Colin seems to be aware. He seems to commit suicide, except from his point of view, it's not because he's going to be back. So maybe Buddhism and Hinduism are true. Maybe that's the lesson. <laughs> got all these gods, and even the gods are subject to karma. Even the gods are subject to the Four Noble Truths. Even the gods suffer. And so maybe the lesson is the only way you're going to survive this is to be like Colin, to realize there mm -hmm. are structures, there are laws, there are regularities, and they are radically inhuman. So I think the lesson was sort of humanity isn't the right way to think about things. The way humans think of things just isn't the right way. And the only way you're going to understand reality is to stop using human categories. I guess what, yeah, what worries me is maybe, maybe he's right. 
I mean, if I have to be practical instead of just the abstract metaphysical stuff, although the metaphysics, I think, is symbolic of the practical. I mean, QAnon, that's what worries me. And I don't mean the specific QAnon. I just mean that Black Mirror can become true. If you're looking for the Bandersnatch book, there it is. And maybe that's just iteration 1.0. And the next iteration is going to be even more powerful because in Black Mirror, there's no one in control. Whatever control is, it emerges from the bottom up. It's mob oriented. And maybe Bandersnatch is the book written by the mob. So maybe what worries me is that these kinds of communication technologies suddenly enable a form of meaning production that is really destructive. It gives birth to something alien, but it's something that fits into human minds really well because of the weird evolved features that human minds have. Suddenly there are these codes that make you go insane. Whereas these things would have been hard to access before. To find a copy of the Necronomicon, you had to go to some library. Maybe there were only three copies left, and maybe it was an accident. Now it's everywhere. Anybody can read Bandersnatch or the Necronomicon or the King in Yellow. And it's not that anybody wrote it. There are a million people who wrote it, and they're writing it all the time. But they, by this collective effervescence, have found a thing that fits into the reptilian brain. Yeah, the reptile people, they're in control, but they're you and me. They're us. Maybe that's the lesson of Black Mirror. Don't let the reptile brain get the symbols. Right? I mean, I want, I want that T-shirt. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. So like, on, on one to 10 dystopia to utopia, I'm feeling like this is going to go pretty dystopic for you. No, because I'm going to just say, say it a little different. Like I think like Be Right Back or the entire history of you, things like that, they're actually kind of set in our world. Whereas mm-hmm. I think that Bandersnatch isn't set in any world. It's just like this story, maybe a morality play, maybe a Greek tragedy, but it's not depicting one of our possible futures or pasts. Like I said, I take a more theological or metaphysical lesson from it. And that reality is very, very other than human. Yeah. So it's different than Black Museum or White Bear. You know, those are sort of set in what might be like our world. But this is just a very free floating statement about a vision of reality itself. Yeah, I love the very subtle refusal to rank it on, on the scale <laughs> yeah. by just by just yeah. simply saying it's, it's very uh, Buddhist of you. You're like, there is no scale. <laughs> well, that's got to be there, like is, the, there is no yeah. one to ten. <laughs> that's got to be the Colin way out, right? It has to be that you realize that this isn't the thing you're looking for. Yeah, Eric, this has been such a great conversation, and I've, I'm I'm really excited yeah. because you've you've really planted some seeds that are definitely going to germinate in my mind for a while. So I really cannot thank you enough for doing this. Yeah, happy to happy to be on. Great fun talking with you. We have um, yet to plumb the depths of this show. I think you know. Totally agree with you. Totally, totally agree. You've been listening to Black Mirror Reflections. Check us out and please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your regular podcasts. 